This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Now your host, Dave Winogren. Welcome to another episode of Accelerating Government. For over 40 years, the American Council for Technology and Industry Advisory Council has served a unique position in the federal marketplace as a nonprofit whose purpose is to bring together government and industry leaders to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. On the first half of today's show, I am delighted to be joined by Laura Stanton, the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology Category in GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. She is also a Vice President at Large on the American Council for Technology's Executive Committee and the Government Chair for ACT-IAC's 2022 Imagination ELC Conference. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you so much, Dave. I am really excited to be with you today. And I'm excited to have you today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Why don't we get started by sharing with our audience a little bit about your current job? Tell us a little bit about the organization, what you're working on, and what are some of the issues that are top of mind for you and your team? Well, as the Assistant Commissioner for the IT category in the Federal Acquisition Service, I'm responsible for managing more than 6,000 contracts and providing access to IT solutions for defense, civilian, state, local, and tribal governments. As an organization, last year we facilitated more than $32 billion in annual government spending and provided nearly $2.5 billion in savings to our federal customers. In my other hat, as the government-wide IT category manager, I oversee 13 of the best-in-class IT acquisition vehicles that are not only in GSA, but they're also across DOD Army, HHS, NASA, and those consisted of over approximately $70 billion in obligations annually. So all day, every day, I'm thinking about government-wide IT solutions. But the really from the IT category, one of the big things that we've been really thinking about and working on across the board has been customer experience. And you hear this a lot across the government. And what the way that it's coming to life for the work that we're doing is we're integrating customer experience into the entire life cycle of our solutions development. We're looking at embedding it in our programs, our projects, our operations. And as we build new channels to market, as we build new new contracts, we're really taking that into a consideration in decision-making and strategic planning. We did last year, and we are for the upcoming year as well. And we, we've even set up an internal governance board that helps us bring together all of the different stakeholders that allow us to have those strategic discussions around customer experience. And that helps us also monitor and integrate all of those customer experience principles into the culture. Excellent. I think that's a great place to start. So why don't we dig into the specifics a little bit more? Why don't you tell us about some of the, the hot projects that are going on in GSA that the audience would probably love to hear about? Well, just within ITC, we have a lot of very interesting work underway and some innovation around acquisition. So I think many of our listeners are probably familiar with the Polaris acquisition. We have the small business and the women-owned small business pools out on Polaris, and that's going to be our next most important small business contract. We're targeting the final RFPs for the last two pools, which is the service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses and the hub zone small businesses out before the end of this fiscal year. So in the very near future. We also are looking at um, our large business 
uh, GWAC as the Alliant II is and continues to be our premier enterprise government acquisition contract. At this point, we've gotten to an estimated value of over $37 billion with a $50 billion ceiling. And that's happened much sooner than we anticipated. So we're really closely monitoring that. And due to the outstanding success of that contract, and knowing that we're coming to that ceiling so closely, we're looking at how to address it and may even have a solution in place before this recording airs. In the meantime, though, we're also focused on Alliant 3, the next generation GWAC, and moving forward as quickly as we possibly can with the market research and anticipating that draft RFP is going to be out in the first quarter of FY23. So there'll be more on SAM.gov when we get there. Very good. I think these vehicles are clearly top of mind for all of our audience, both government and industry. And so it's it's great to get an update on them. And and I have to say that GSA is sort of like smack dab in the middle of every cool thing that's going on in the federal <laughs> technology market right now. So I'm wondering, you know, if you speak broadly about the, the agency of which you're a part, but are, are, were there some other areas of work in GSA that you think will be of interest to the audience, things that are going on or things that are coming up soon? Well, I did want to touch on really the work we're doing around cloud, because we know that agencies have been very heavily leveraging cloud as they've been moving towards IT modernization, and that federal cloud market has grown dramatically over the last few years. To cite Dell Tech, they report that cloud spending in 2017 was $3.4 billion, and by 2021, it was almost $11 billion. So that gives you some sense of the scale of how cloud is expanding. And we've performed our own internal analysis to monitor cloud spend over time. And we've been using these insights and the knowledge that we've gained from supporting agencies over a number of years to really look at how can we help streamline cloud acquisition when it comes to agencies. And we recognize that more FedRAMP solutions are becoming available. We're also seeing more and more agencies migrating their legacy systems to facilitate zero trust. And we know that cloud smart is driving this trend as well as agencies are becoming more sophisticated when it comes to cloud computing. So across GSA, we have multiple offices that are involved in some aspect of procuring, securing, developing, and otherwise getting the most out of cloud. And so as a result of that, Dave, We've been holding a yearly event we call Think Cloud, Think GSA, where we're looking at cloud from all of the offerings that we have across GSA. And this is from the perspective of the federal customer. But it's also really helpful to industry because it gives them an insight into the types of challenges that their customers at the federal agencies are facing. And so that's coming up on Wednesday, September 7th, and anyone can register for that event. Meanwhile, we're also working on maturing the acquisition vehicles that we're offering for cloud. And I think Ascend has certainly been mentioned a few times over the past months, and we're continuing our work on that. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, Ascend's a competitive multiple award, multiple agency blanket purchase agreement that really addresses the government-wide need for cloud solutions. And we're working on accommodating the needs of a maturing federal cloud marketplace and really looking at the comprehensive cloud offerings that include infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, software as a service, really anything as a service. 
And we're also including all of those cloud professional services that agencies need as well to be able to implement, plan, migrate, and um, manage the post-deployment activities in order to support all of cloud and has the built-in security thresholds. So I know that was an awful lot, but you opened up the door for me and I, and I had to take it, Dave. I, I was delighted that you did. I mean, cloud, as you know, is an important part of the new federal IT operating plan. We had Claire Maron on the, sh- the last episode of the show talking about how important this work is. And I'm glad to see that the offerings are so broad because, as we've talked about before, it's so much more than just moving your infrastructure to the cloud. There's so much more that you can do to leverage the true value of the cloud. You know, you have been an acquisition leader extraordinaire. It's always a top topic in federal technology. We got about a minute and a half left. After what in this segment, what, what are some of the acquisition innovations that you're seeing in the federal market that you're excited about and you'd like the audience to know about? Or what would you like to see more of even? Well, let me hit on three, especially given that there's only a minute and a half left and I know I need to move quickly. But let me hit on diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility. With GSA put together an equity plan and those DEI&A principles are really foundational to GSA's work to serve communities across the country. And throughout the really cross-cutting and comprehensive equity action plan, we're pushing for better outcomes in every area that GSA operates. And you see that come to life when you look at at the work that we've done on STARS-3 and uh, over 1,100 8A companies that now have access to the federal IT market and that federal agencies can now use. Um, I'll touch on sustainability where we're really playing a lead role in integrating climate risk management into the IT acquisition process. And finally, I'll wrap up with supply chain risk management, where we're working with ActIAC. Um, and we have the CSCRIM acquisition working group as a joint effort, and really looking at how to improve supply chain security via regulations, policies, and laws. And we're using that opportunity of partnership to gather feedback from the industry, academia, and from the federal government. And we're using that to build uh, supply chain risk management into requirements. And we're also looking at how do we support the execution of the cyber executive order. I am so delighted that you brought it up. Supply chain is a huge issue. And if you go to the Federal News Network website, you can find the episode where we highlighted that topic. We're talking with Laura Stanton, Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology Category at GSA. We're going to take a short break. I'm Dave Wenergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACDIAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wintergren, and we're talking with Laura Stanton today. Laura is the Assistant Commissioner for the Office of Information Technology category at GSA's Federal Acquisition Service and the Government Chair for ACT-IAC's 2022 Imagination ELC Conference. When we left off, we were wrapping up some really cool stuff that's going on with GSA, and I think that's a great segue to get to the moment that it is the 20th anniversary this year of the enactment of the EGov Act, and uh, and I think that's a good time to both pause and reflect, but also to return to like the present and the future. And so I'm just wondering, Laura, if you could share with us, tell us one thing in the federal technology market that has changed dramatically over those 20 years, and one thing that has perhaps remained the same. So I began thinking back, 2002, let's just go back for a moment. Everything revolved around the office building and your desk. 
and mobility is really what I think of when I think of what's changed. You think about the BlackBerry was still relatively new. It had just come out in 1999. And most everybody in the government had all of their technology sitting on their desktop. It was the desktop tower, the desktop phone. Um, Even the iPhone debuted in 2007, and that began to usher in the era of smartphones. So when I think back about what's changed, I think about the ability to move around and have all of this information and data at my fingertips in a way that I just wasn't able to have 20 years ago. Being able to have that mobility has then moved us into the telework world. And the pandemic hammered that home when we began thinking about the flexibility and collaboration. And GSA really had an efficient mobile workforce before COVID hit. And as an organization, we were well positioned to be able to move remote. And our teams adapted very quickly and rapidly to full-time telework so that we could turn around and then help agencies do the same thing. But this also goes back to cloud computing, what I was talking about in the first segment, Dave, which is we were able to do that because we had had embraced cloud computing and we had truly invested in the modern network architecture across the GSA infrastructure. And so that flexibility is the biggest thing that I see that has changed in the last 20 years. When I think about what has stayed the same, I think we're constantly looking at how do we, it's even hard to think about what, you know, I'm constantly looking at acquisition. When I think about sort of what stayed the same, it's this focus that we've had on acquisition innovation across the government and looking for the best ways to be able to modernize IT and to be able to develop and reach innovative companies and think out of the box. And those themes have really stayed with us, I think. When the EGov Act was put in place, that was, I think, innovation was one of the key drivers for that and thinking about how to align to shared services. And then we end it. And now we're really looking at how do we continue and build on all the innovation that's come before. Very good. I love both of those answers. You know, I'll say, despite having an extremely busy day job, you have consistently made time to engage with nonprofit, good government organizations in the market and and in that dialogue with industry. And so first and foremost, thank you for your leadership at organizations like ACTIAC and others in the community. And, And maybe you could share with the audience, why do you think spending time engaging and collaborating with industry is so important that you take the time to do it? You know, one, I learned so much from engaging with my with industry and agency counterparts. We work in such an incredibly complex environment that no one can know everything. And so hearing what others have a chance to try and how they've learned and what's worked and what hasn't worked and having that network across industry and government has really been what's kept me coming back to ACT-IAC for a number of years. I I think, Dave, you know, I was part of the inaugural Voyager class back in 2005. And starting with that networking and the opportunity to make the connections across the board, some of the people in my Voyager's class are still, I'm still very close to today. And they've been some of the leaders in ACT-IAC over the years. 
So really that knowledge sharing and understanding how do we work together has just been critical to to success. I think that that is a perfect segue then to your role this year as the government chair for ACT-IAC's Imagination ELC Conference, our long-running flagship conference for the federal technology market, which takes place October 23rd to 25th in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Why don't you take a moment or two and share with our audience what you're excited about at this year's conference? So I am excited about so many things. The first is getting to see people in person and coming back together. The second is that the planning team is so hard at work building amazing content and the opportunities for us to engage one another. We're literally scouring the government and industry to bring speakers together who can share how technology has made their mission possible and the progress that they've made from vision to possibility. It's not talking about technology in the sense of implementation, it's technology in the framework of how does it drive and support agency missions and serve the American public. And the focus on outcomes is really driven by the conference's alignment to the president's management agenda and looking at how we do support the workforce. How are we delivering secure and customer secure services with an emphasis on customer experience? And then finally, the management of government. We also have a surprise specialty track that will be unveiled soon that I want to keep all of you all of you waiting for. Excellent. Well, there is a lot of great content. We'll, of course, have the federal CIO as a speaker, the GSA administrator, a number of other speakers from across government. And we're very exciting in honor of the 20th anniversary of the EGOVAC. Very exciting uh, Sunday night uh, set of speakers, federal technology leaders who are all women and uh, have just done an extraordinary work in the community. And so you definitely won't want to miss it. You know, as, as we sort of get close to wrapping up, I, I want to give you an opportunity for some parting thoughts and, and leadership is a topic that you have just been a true champion about over the years. And and so I'm wondering if you would like to maybe offer some parting advice to our audience of government, industry, and technology leaders. It's very simple. Listen, engage, and network. Really take the opportunity at ELC and just through all opportunities um, to build relationships with one another and learn from each other. And when you hear something at ELC that interests you, I urge you to take the time to follow up with that speaker. We're bringing back ELC as predominantly in person because we know the value and recognize how important those connections are to us as a community. And so take the time to be there, but also take the time to be present. And that means doing the act of listening, engaging thoughtfully, and networking and spending time together. I think that's great advice. You know, the, the importance of building relationships, particularly in this sort of frenetic pace of change is just so important. Uh, you're not in this alone. And whether it's the great work that GSA does provide support across government, or it's the, the stuff that's in the National Use Case Library that ACT-IAC maintains for the government, there are these wonderful examples about how people are striving to make progress in technology and, and you're not alone. So the more that you connect with your peers, the more you connect with your industry counterparts, the better able you'll be to, to not only just survive, but thrive in the federal technology market going forward. Laura, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been delightful having you on the show. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to the conference. 
Imagination ELC, October 23rd, 25th. You can learn more about it at the Federal News Network website. I'm Dave Wintergren, and when we return, we'll be talking with Kendall Holbrook about technology trends and leadership. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. I'm Dave Wintergren, and on the second half of today's show, I'm joined by Kendall Holbrook, the CEO of Dev Technology Group and the industry chair for ACT-IAC's 2022 Imagination ELC Conference. Welcome to the show, Kendall. Thanks, Dave. Happy to be here. I'm delighted to have you. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. You have had a distinguished career in the federal technology market, and I thought maybe why don't we start with sharing with our audience a little bit about Dev Technology Group, your company, and what are some of the top priorities that you have as CEO? So, yeah, that's always a loaded question, top priorities as CEO. I feel like it's you never know what you're going to get depending on the day. Um, but certainly top priorities for Dev um, since our founding, we're, we're almost 24 years old. We'll be 24 in October. Um, but we've been really focused on providing mission-focused IT for our clients. I'm primarily in the Homeland Security space and the pre-Homeland Security space, um, but also now with multiple other agencies, civilian government agencies and some DOD. Um, And so for us, you know, we are really kind of doing that IT that we think matters. Um, So, you know, when we look at the impacts that our team members get to make, I think that's why they actually come to work at Dev. I think we're a great company and a great place to work and all of that. But I think it's because we also lead with the mission and and we give people something, a a greater purpose um, to come to work for. So that's a little bit about the company. Most of the work that we do is on the application side of IT, not as much on the infrastructure, but we do do a little bit of that work. Um, And, you know, we're looking forward to to what's coming in, in 2022 and now almost into 2023 for government's fiscal year at this point. Excellent. There is so much going on in the market. And uh, and I just wonder, as you survey the federal technology market, something that you've been doing now for a while, what are some of the shifts that you're seeing in the market that you're excited about that our audience should hear more about? Yeah, so some of the shifts, I mean, definitely we've all seen kind of our big COVID shift, which really has allowed us as an IT provider for the government to really start looking across the nation and at hiring. Right. So that's one shift, the whole way we work in a much more hybrid and remote way. Even all of our clients, our government clients are now okay with us being remote where they weren't just three years ago. Um, So that's an interesting shift. I think from an IT perspective, one of the big shifts we've seen really is in this area of low code, no code. Every single one of our clients has at least one, if not multiple, low code, no code platforms that they've are they've acquired and want to make full use of. So we're seeing that as a growing area, an important area for us um, as a company. So, you know, we play across a couple of different platforms, the Microsoft uh, Power Platform, SharePoint, you know, Microsoft has tons of tools that fit into that box. And then also in the ServiceNow space is those are two high growth areas for us. Yeah, the, the COVID one speaks to so much. It speaks to like the sudden emergence of the ability to be virtually connected anywhere, which has just helped reduce costs and improve 
touch points and frequency of touch points and that kind of stuff. But, but it also has spoken, I think, to the issue of resiliency and, uh, you know, the nature of work has changed and the, and the actual value of organizations shifts. And so there's been a lot of, you know, are you continue to be relevant in the, in this world, the uh, post COVID kind of world. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. So resilience is one of our core values. We have six core values at the company and it comes up a lot in conversation. We bring it up a lot in conversation because of being resilient as part of just our DNA. I think, you know, COVID taught us a lot, right? Not just us as, as a company, but I think taught our market a lot and our clients a lot about what can be done when we allow people to be flexible, right? Flexible about where they work and how they work, you know, how they integrate their time with their families into their work, which we all were forced to do, you know, for the past few years. So I think, you know, being resilient and being it also requires some flexibility and openness to the changes that we had thrust upon us over the past few years. Yeah, it has been a time, you know, there's already a frenetic pace of change, but then we've layered on top of it. The dynamics of that change has just has just had so much of an impact on, on organizations. And, uh, and and so, you know, another one, another topic that I know is top of mind for you is this idea about innovation and uh, and how do we increase innovation in the federal market? And it is super important. And I'm wondering if you'd like to offer some advice about how do you overcome the barriers to innovation and take advantage of, you know, these new offerings that you have, the low-code, no-code platforms, the, the need to app modernize, modernize and things like that? Yeah, so innovation is always a big uh, topic. And everyone always says they say they want to be innovative. And I think the most important thing, though, to follow up to say I want you saying you want to be innovative is to allow space for innovation um, being okay with things that don't quite go so well. When you try them out, you have to be okay with failing and failing fast. If you want to innovate, also give your teams permission to try new things and give them the time uh, to do that and the space to do that. If so time crunched and pressure crunched and, and focus on delivering you know, a widget or a X, uh, you don't really get that time and space to innovate. And so one of the things I know that we've done and we actually offer to our clients, we have um, a few labs, quote unquote, uh, I say quote unquote labs because they're all in the cloud now, um, especially with us being such a hybrid workforce. Um, but we do allow um, our teams to play in our labs, right? So if they want to try something out or they want to try a new tool or if they have a, our, one of our clients is asking about a new tool, we actually provide some space for our, our, our employees to play, to try, to to try and, and innovate in, in a space that's a little bit more safe than on, on a government's network for those who are client-facing. So we do try to allow innovation. We do have a chief technologist on board at the company who we actually found after he decided to leave a government service, which is helpful because he also understands how government approaches innovation and is able to marry that with how we as a company wants to approach innovation. And we kind of bring those two things together, which I know ActIAC loves to do is bring both parts together and, and really find a way forward there. But innovation, again, I, like I think simply having time, space and being okay with those failures is really what allows innovation to take part. 
Yeah, I, I love the hands-on approach to it. I mean, we so often we we make decisions based on fear and anecdote, and when you can actually touch things and see how they work, it just it just replaces that with I'll say data-driven decisions instead, and makes such a big difference. Um, so another topic that we got to touch on in this part of the interview, I think, is you know it builds on the innovation agenda is federal acquisition improvements, and there's a lot of change in the market, and uh, and and that's a good thing, right? Because we you know we've seen in the past sometimes the wrong acquisition approach used for the wrong outcome and low price technically acceptable is great for buying printers not so much on buying high-end thought leadership and uh and and i know it's a subject that you spend a lot of time on trying to help coach and, and and get the best out of the acquisition approach so what are some of the improvements in the federal acquisition process that you're excited about and what are some additional acquisition improvements that you'd like to think industry and government will focus on in the year ahead so acquisition is always an interesting topic. You know, I think there are some organizations out there doing some great things, you know, speak, you know, no, we were just speaking with Laura uh, Stanton and, and GSA is doing some amazing, amazing things to provide acquisitions that are both informed, right? Cause they're, they're doing some market research. They're asking for feedback from both government agencies as well as companies and industry, but then also in, 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 they're doing it in such a way that they're continuing to communicate with all parties so we know what's coming next and how it will will transpire. And so the, I think those sorts of things are great where you increase communication, you give folks an opportunity to give feedback early on in the process, and then you end up with a much better acquisition um, in the long term. You know, I think there has been an increase, right, in the interactiveness of acquisitions, whether it's through oral presentations or, or technical challenges or, you know, or some combination, right, of those things. I think those are great from an acquisition perspective because I think you get a much better outcome if the client knows what they're buying and, and who they're buying it from. They get a chance to not only see it written on paper, hear it come from the mouths of those who are being who will provide it, and then also ask them questions about what it is and why they're proposing what they're proposing. That interactive nature of acquisition, I think, will also ultimately lead to better outcomes for government um, and for industry, right? We don't, being a, an industry member, I certainly don't want to deliver to my clients anything that they don't need or want. Um, and the only way, though, for us to va verify that we're doing, that we're giving them, proposing the right thing is if we can have a conversation about it. So I love the interactive piece. That is what gets me really excited. Um, I do think that we've seen some acquisition strategies that haven't worked as well and have been and have been refined and are continuing to be refined. You know, I know we have some procurements that are starting that are using scorecards and we've seen some refinement of those scorecards because there's been feedback and I think that's good. So I think you know there's lots of lots of innovation out there from an acquisition perspective. I think bottom line is as a member of industry, I want to make sure that what I'm proposing to government is what government needs and you know I, I want to also make sure that when we get there to deliver it it's something that we can deliver um, and it provides value because again when one thing that we think we do well at Dev is provide kind of that mission-oriented IT. We want to give do IT with a purpose, not just doing IT for IT's sake. So I think those interactive acquisitions actually help us do that better. 
collaboration and communication is just so important. And it's a subject we're going to come back to in the second half of this interview. And I love the way you tied it up the way we started the conversation with the focus on mission and outcomes makes all the difference in the world. We're going to take a short break now. And when we return, we'll have more with Kendall Holbrook, the CEO of Dev Technology Group. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you're listening to Accelerating Government brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. I'm Dave Wenergren, and we're talking with Kendall Holbrook, the CEO of Dev Technology Group and the industry chair for ACT-IAC's 2022 Imagination ELC Conference. Earlier in the show, I asked Laura Stanton a question that I'm going to now ask you. I've asked several of our guests in the last couple of months. It is the 20th anniversary of the enactment of the eGov Act. And sometimes the more things change, the more they remain the same. But on the other hand, the pace of technology is furious and things are radically different. And so I'm wondering if you could share with the audience one thing in the federal technology market that has changed dramatically over the last 20 years and one thing that has perhaps remained the same. Yeah, wow. So I'll start with the one thing that has remained the same. I think that we still um, in the federal IT space are... You know, there are certain programs or certain clients that we've done work with over the years. So Dev uh, was almost 24 years old, so we certainly were were there when the eGov Act was enacted. But there are some cases where we go into clients, especially those clients we've been in for the, those all of those 24 years, and we still see same the same systems that, that we worked on 24 years ago. So I think very much one of the in the bucket of things that stay the same. There are still some really old government systems out there and they, you arguably doing a good job and still doing the, the job. But, you know, at some point we know everything needs some modernization. Um, so that's one thing that stays the same. Government loves to hold on to, to old systems at work. Um, I think one thing that we're seeing change, man, the, the change has been rapid, especially in this past three years, from COVID. I think one of the the biggest and most exciting changes, which COVID forced us into, was being able to go get into the cloud and everyone work from wherever they were, right? That ability to get to the cloud quickly for those organizations who had not quite yet gotten there from an adoption perspective, it certainly was accelerated in the past three years. And that to me is, is exceptionally exciting that we have, we we were forced to not make excuses of why we couldn't do something and figure out how we could do things in the past three years. And to me, that's super exciting. And I'm hoping we we learn from this past three years and continue those types of, of quick decision making and, and action from an IT perspective. Yeah, those who had made progress in IT modernization were more easily able to adapt to a virtual-only world and the technologies that you would need in place to do that. And part of the getting your IT modernization done is the great point that you made, that it's not enough to just move your infrastructure to the cloud if you still have thousands of legacy systems that have outlived their life. And, and to your point, not all of them necessarily need to be retired, but there are plenty that do. There are plenty that need to be, and others that need to be refreshed. And so it's, it's, it's important that the new federal IT operating plan spends so much of its effort on picking up those applications and doing something with them in addition to the initial movements to the cloud. I have to say that, you know, despite the demands of running 
running a company, you have consistently made time to engage in the work of nonprofits and good government groups in the market and engaging in that dialogue and mentoring role. And so first and foremost, I'd like to personally thank you for that because you've made a profound difference in the market. But I would like you to spend a little bit of time talking with the audience about you know, as a busy executive, why do you make time to do that? Why do you why do you make time to engage with other government and industry leaders in addition to the fullness of your job? <laughs> so how boring would life be if I just sat inside dev and, you know, just just just, just talk to myself? I don't know. I mean, Dave, I think um, it's what I enjoy doing. I like collaborating. You learn something every day. Every time I have a conversation with a, a new person or a different my day, I strive to learn something, you know, and, and I think that that is just how we continue to move forward, right, as a, as a community, as an IT community and government. It's only if we're interacting and talking to each other and collaborating and, and building relationships, because we all know that people like to work with people they like. Um, and so th- the only way that we can get there is to build relationships with, with one another when things are fine. And that way, when things are tougher and we have to have a, a conversation on how to solve a problem or how to get through something, we've already established that relationship and as a basis to be able to do that. And so that's why I do it. Um, you know, I think from a community perspective, when we start talking about the greater community and nonprofits, that's a requirement, right? I've been very successful. I've been given a lot. I've had a lot of support throughout my entire life right, from childhood up through my career. And so I give back because that's what I'm supposed to do. If you've been given much, you should give back. So that's why I spend a lot of time outside of the quote unquote walls of dev technology talking to people. And this year, you're serving as the industry chair for ActIX Imagination ELC Conference on October 23rd to the 25th in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And so maybe share with our audience a little bit about why that conference is important, why it would be worth their time to come and participate in it. Yeah, so first, I want to thank ActIX for giving me the opportunity to, to serve as a chair. Um, I think it's it's been great so far working with Laura as my uh, co-chair from the government side, um, I, we are keenly focused, right? We keenly focused from our very first conversation on providing amazing content and great speakers um, so that everyone who attends ELC is going to do what I said a few minutes ago is to learn something new. Um, we we certainly want to think a little bit outside of the box. It's great that we're able to put on an in-person conference last year of attending ELC. We, I know there was some it was touch and go for, for, for a while there. We weren't sure if we would be in person, but now knowing that we are going to be, we're able to unlock some of the tools and techniques that we know have made good conferences, in-person conferences in the past. And that's exciting as well. So it's not going to just be talking heads on the stage. We're going to have some interactivity. We're going to have some great speaker. We're going to have some time for networking and just having, you know, a great um, opportunity to collaborate with one another. So I'm really excited about it. The team is doing a great job pulling great ideas together and more to come on that, more to come. We, 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 we will start sharing more and more information um, as it's final about the conference. Very good. Um, leadership is such an important topic, and uh, we've got about a minute left or so. I would love it if you would offer some parting advice to our industry and government audience. Yeah, I think 
Dave, um, so I think from um, a leadership perspective, what I would say is definitely everyone needs to roll up their sleeves and, and try to help in ways that they can. It's great to be a great leader inside your organization. It's so much better to be a great leader inside your organization, but then also lend your hands to help in other ways, whether it's through ACT-IAC um, as an organization or another organization that strives to make better government, right? And, and I think we're all part of that community. And that's one of the things I focus on all the time is that it, it is our partnership industry and government is the way, the reason that there are successes in government. And we all are a part of that, right? That, that has to be our, the basis for our belief. And only together um, can we make government's mission happen. And that happens for all of us because we're all citizens of this country. So, um, so yeah, just step outside of your office and, and give a little bit back. I think that's a great place to leave this part of the conversation. Um, it is a big federal technology market, a 90 plus billion dollar a year federal IT budget. It gets done by the hands of the many across government agencies with industry. I mean, we are all in this together and it just makes all the difference in the world. Uh, thank you. Kendall Holbrook is the CEO of Dev Technology Group. Kendall, thank you for your leadership in the market, for your work on ELC and all the other things that you do for the broader federal technology community. And thank you for joining us today. If you'd all like to learn more about ACT-IAC's Imagination ELC Conference, which takes place on October 23rd to the 25th in Hershey, Pennsylvania, you'll, you'll have a great set of A-team speakers and you'll have a... Uh, Great set of networking interaction and opportunities to engage and dig and learn deeper. There are tracks or plenary sessions. You'll get to hear from some of the Federal News Network star personalities who will be at the event, too. There's so much to see and come and do. Check out the Federal News Network website where you can learn more and get a discount on, on attending the conference. Or you can check out our website, which is www.actiac.org. And thank you all for joining us today. We've heard some great insights from some outstanding technology leaders on how we can all work together to accelerate government mission outcomes through collaboration, leadership, and education. I'm Dave Wendergren, and you've been listening to Accelerating Government, brought to you by ACT-IAC on Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to Accelerating Government with ACT-IAC. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Accelerating Government on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your story. It lives in River City, where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small-town feel, where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Life-changing decisions can be hard, or they can be flexible, inclusive, and best of all, rewarding. Earn your master's in computer science, data science, or information systems at Northeastern University in the San Francisco Bay Area. No matter your experience, earn your degree. Plus, the desirable Bay Area is a smaller collaborative campus, but connected to the huge Northeastern University. Discover the different technology degrees available. Visit northeastern.edu slash pathways to tech.